It's time for Shattered Soulstone. Featuring the latest news from Sanctuary and beyond. Each episode, a heroic party of Nephilim band together to help keep you informed on everything in the Diablo universe. And now, your Diablo Community Podcast. Coming to you from somewhere in Sanctuary, this is episode 373 of Shattered Soulstone, your Diablo Community Podcast. This episode is called 234 Update. It is August 21, 2022, and this is Jen. I've got a bunch of stuff to talk about today, so it might be kind of a long show, but we'll see how fast I can get through this without, you know, making it uh, sound like too much stuff at once. The first thing I want to talk about is the show was delayed slightly because I have terrible allergies and just couldn't do it. Plain and simple. I think I posted something like that on Twitter, so everything's fine over here. It was just, you know, chronic illness stuff. The other thing I want to talk about, there is a company called Podchaser, and it is a podcasting company, sort of, kinda. It's recently been acquired by Acast, and you might want to take a look at it because it has a tendency of bringing in other people's podcasts without asking them to, which would be the polite thing if you were going to gather data. Uh, They don't actually ask you first. So Shattered Soulstone, unfortunately, has been stuck over on Podchaser, and both Sean and I have been trying to get them to take it down. They have not done it yet. I am very displeased. So um, you might want to check if you're a podcaster listening to this, you may want to check to see if Podchaser has your show because what they're doing is gathering data from it. They're gathering data from your episodes and they might be gathering data from your listeners as well because part of uh, a thing that Acast wrote indicated that they were kind of uh, looking for demographics of who's listening to the show and things like that. And this all goes to feed the advertisers that Podchaser and or Acast have. It doesn't benefit Chad. Soulstone in the slightest, and I certainly don't want them to be tracking any of you. So we're fighting to try to get them to take it down, and I'll let you know if there's an update on that. We've started this process at the end of July. Nothing's happened. And uh, if we get an update, I'll, I'll definitely let you know when Shattered Soulstone is finally free of Podchaser. In addition to sketchy things going on, I've got an article here from Game Developer. It was posted on August 16, 2022. It's titled, Activision Blizzard Accused of Illegal Surveillance in a New NLRB Complaint. This is written by Justin Carter, contributing editor. And it's uh, there's an update at the bottom of this. I'm not sure how much of this is new, but here's what happened. A new worker complaint to the National Labor Relations Board, the NLRB, RB alleges that Activision Blizzard has been illegally surveilling its employees. First reported by Kotaku's Ethan Gotch, the complaint states that the Call of Duty publisher had cut off access to a chat channel held by workers discussing wages and employee hours and threatened to shut down other internal communication channels inside the company. Technically, this is illegal because you're uh, allowed to, in California, you are allowed to talk about your wages. You are. That's just the law. In July, the worker advocacy group ABK Workers Alliance gathered developers from multiple Activision Blizzard studios to engage in a walkout. We know about that. Uh, The walkout was held at Blizzard's offices in California, Texas, and Minnesota and drew the attention of other worker advocacy groups in the area, such as the Orange County Labor Federation and Game Workers of Southern California. Filed on August 12th, the complaint specifically alleges that Activision Blizzard engaged in coercive statements and actions, which includes promises of benefits and 
of and threats, coercive rules, and concentrated activities, retaliation, comma, discipline. These actions are said to have taken place during the July walkout. In response to accusations of illegal surveillance, an Activision Blizzard spokesperson, who never gives their names somehow, hmm, said that, quote, recent employee walkouts have frequently been attended by reporters seeking comment from not only the participants, but the company itself. We routinely have PR staff on site at a respectful distance from employees on strike to assist media. The spokesperson also said that the workers' claims about the closure of chat channels was false. The CWA, Communication Workers of America, continues to create an inaccurate picture of Activision Blizzard that willfully ignores facts. I'm not going to read the rest of their stuff because it sounds like a bunch of lies in the first place. I mean, if you constantly have a group of workers that is trying to unionize and is constantly walking out and you know doing that sort of thing, there's reasons. They're not doing it because they don't want to work. They're doing it because you're treating them bad. So I don't read a lot of everything that Blizzard has to say, or Activision Blizzard has to say about stuff. Uh, let's see what else we have going on. There's some other unrelated stuff, which I'll get to in a little bit, but there's an update. It's a little update. It says, this story has been updated with a comment from Activision Blizzard. It's also been updated to reflect that Activision Blizzard is asking for all Diablo-related employees to vote on the union, not just Diablo 4 employees. And this is bad because... If you have a group of people that are working in one specific part of a company, in any company, in this case, we're talking about people who work on Diablo 4. If they would like to unionize, they have the right to do it. And they're in California, and this is totally allowed in California. Now, if you're a big company that absolutely does not want to have another union happen, like the Raven uh, software employees and... Oh, there was another one recently. I'm sure I'll think of it later. But um, there's another group that just got unionized, too, in Albany, Blizzard Albany, I think it was, that group. Um, they used to be Vicarious Visions, if I remember correctly. But if you are the big company and you really want to take control over your workers and make sure they don't have the rights that they're allowed to have in California, where this place is, you know, their company is located, then you try to push in all of the people that you possibly can to vote on the union. Now, it sounds at first as though the company's like, yeah, we would love for you to have a union. Let's get all these people in the union. But what they're really doing is trying to dilute the amount of people that will vote yes on the union that's what it is it's union busting so yeah sketchy real sketchy stuff still going on at activision blizzard kotaku has an article and it's not about blizzard it's about nintendo Nintendo of America's testers say they faced years of sexual harassment. Female game testers at Nintendo had, quote, frat house experiences within a gaming company known for its wholesome image. This seems to be a thing. Like, a lot of gaming companies seem to have these problems. This one was written by CC Zhang, and it was written on, I'm not even sure what day. Recently. In the last week or so, I guess. Uh, two years ago, a contract game tester named Hannah, not her real name, had a harrowing experience that led her to quit her dream job at Nintendo of America after nearly a decade. Several employees have created, had created a group chat on Nintendo's Microsoft Teams server called The Laughing Zone. It was supposed to be a lighthearted place for co-workers to share memes with one another. That changed when a male translator was added to the group. Soon he posted Reddit screenshots about why Vaporeon was the best Pokemon to have, oh god, <laughs> to do something sexual with oh no Anna was disgusted by the explicit descriptions they also apparently possibly the same guy or other guys working there put some other inappropriate things about childlike characters in other video games I'm not going to read all the details but holy shit that should have gotten that person fired yeah that's oh my god so to continue 
Quote, Nintendo was almost like a nightmare. It's sad because I love Nintendo. I grew up with Nintendo. I was so excited to join Nintendo when I first got there, and I thought I was going somewhere, said Hannah. I had my supervisors telling me I was doing such a good job, but by reporting the incident, she had set off a chain of events that led her to quit her job testing Nintendo's games. Nintendo is not the only company that uses contract labor to test games, but it is one of the most profitable. A corporate responsibility report showed that net sales of its properties from April 2020 to March 2021 totaled over $13 billion. And it goes on about contract workers and stuff. At the time of writing, Nintendo's career page indicated that roughly 25% of the roles it advertised for its North American headquarters were on a contract basis. Full-time Nintendo employees were referred to as the red badges, a term used to describe the bright red stripe on their ID, their employee ID cards. The problem was that women were both underrepresented among contractors, but also not often hired into full-time roles. Five sources who worked at Nintendo estimated that the percentage of women contractors in testing covered at around 10% based on the headcounts on their own teams. In some projects that sources worked on with several dozen team members, women on the team would it would number in the single digits. This discrepancy can be explained by the fact that many Nintendo games were not tested by staff who were classified as Nintendo employees. They were employees who worked under the contracting company Aerotech, but even among full-time employees, 37% of Nintendo of America's salaried employees are women, and only 23.7% of his managers are women globally. Um, so this kind of goes on from here with what happened with this woman who's got a false name for her own security. <laughs> um, Aerotech split into three different brands last year, two months before it had agreed to pay the discrimination settlement. Oh, wow. Where's the discrimination settlement? Where did I miss that? Uh, apparently there was one. Yeah. And I guess this woman got targeted for like trying to make things better, which tends to happen if you're evil and you want to keep being evil, you tend to shut up people who are talking about how evil you are. Yeah. Okay. So according to the National Labor Relations Board, NLRB, Aerotech had multiple labor lawsuits filed against it across the years, and Aerotech had previously been embroiled in controversy for discriminatory business practices. Just last year, the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission forced the company to pay over $3 million to settle an anti-discrimination lawsuit in regards to age, sex, and race, according to the Chicago Reporter. The federal agency had been investigating the contracting company for racial and gender discrimination since 2000. 2008. In a statement to the Chicago reporter, Aerotech said, first and foremost, there is no place for discrimination in our company. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't believe a word they say when they do that. If you're getting called out on that and there's evidence, you did it. That's it. Especially in a big company where there's like a lot of people that could be like, yeah, that happened to me too. You know, so... There's that. There's another person uh, named Valerie that was a former tester for Nintendo. She would ask her managers how she could be promoted to a permanent position. While Nintendo websites listed benefits such as paternal leave for full-time employees, Allison felt pressure uh, that's her last name, to uh, become a full-time employee because she needed stable income and benefits. Kotaku reached out to Nintendo about what kind of actions it took to ensure that women had a fair chance at career advancement. A spokesperson for Nintendo acknowledged our request but didn't return with a statement. That's always sketchy when that happens. And it just goes on and on and on from here. And it's a lot of the stuff that you hear from like Activision Blizzard and you know other gaming companies that treat people who are people of color people who are women, people who are LGBTQ terribly, and then act like nothing happened. Um, personally, I think as soon as those incredibly offensive and just disgusting memes got into a work chat channel, I think those people should have been reprimanded and possibly fired, because that's 
that's not okay at all. That's like the worst thing I think I've heard come out of one of these in terms of, you know, other than actual physical abuse to real people. I mean, just... Yeah, so Kotaku's got a follow-up called Nintendo, quote, actively, end quote, investigating recent claims of misconduct. The, um, <laughs> the president of Nintendo is named Doug Bowser. Yes, Bowser. That is probably how the name got into the Nintendo game with like the big bad that kind of looked like a turtle sort of thing. Uh, that is his act- actual name. It's kind of hard to think about, but yeah, that's what it is. Um, yesterday, Nintendo, uh, this was a couple of days ago, I think. Uh, yesterday, Nintendo of America's president, Doug Bowser, sent out an internal message to employees acknowledging the media coverage involving claims made about worker conduct. Uh, He wrote, we have and will always investigate any allegations we become aware of, and we are actively investigating these most recent claims. That message which Kotaku has viewed and which was shared with Kotaku by a source Kotaku has confirmed currently works for Nintendo was posted to the company's internal SharePoint account. Kotaku has also corroborated the the message's authenticity with two other current Nintendo employees. In the message, Bowser reassured current employees that Nintendo was taking the allegations seriously. Quote, We have strict policies designed to protect our employees and associates from inappropriate conduct and expect full compliance with these policies by all who, will, who, all, all who work for or with us, Doug wrote. We have and will always investigate any allegations we become aware of, and we are actively investigating these most recent claims. Bowser's message was posted on the same day that Kotaku published the investigative report that I just read to you. So maybe things will change. The A Better ABK account on Twitter had a response to the Kotaku uh, account or article about well, the first one I read to you, not the second one, and wrote, ABK Workers Alliance stands in support of Nintendo workers. These issues are pervasive across the game dev industry, and it's imperative that we come together as developers to demand better from our leadership teams. And they're absolutely right about that. And then we have something different. This is about accessibility. So there is a Twitter account called at DefFGC. It is Def Fighting Game Community. Our mission statement for Def Fighting Game Community. Sorry if my English is a bit out of place, says the person running this account. And there's a photo in here, and uh, it says Def Fighting Game Community, or DFEGC, paving ways to bring the deaf and hard of hearing fighting game fans together with the FGC fighting game community, helping FGC events to provide American sign language commentary by deaf and hard of hearing for the ASL users to enjoy. Since the FGC already has a voice, we want to show you that the DFGC can provide contents too. ASL commentary is not a direct translation of the spoken commentary. They are commenting in their native language. We need your help to spread the awareness so that we may be able to find more deaf and hard of hearing fighting game fans that would be interested in taking part in this amazing project in the FGC community world. Reach out to Deaf Gamers TV on Twitter if you want to lead a hand, no pun intended, LOL, to help reach out to different communities with deaf and hard of hearing in them. And I think that's really cool because the more accessibility you can have in gaming the better you get more people that can you know play the games and have like a full experience as opposed to wondering what's being said in this case or that kind of thing i think that's really good so i hope they do get you know what they need to make that go We've got another article here. This is from Kotaku. Uh, Activision Blizzard workers walk out over lack of Roe v. Wade support. The article is from July, but there is an update. 
at the bottom of it, from like the end of July or close to the end of July, it said Activision Blizzard sent the following statement to Kotaku. In early June, the company announced expanded medical travel benefits to include coverage for U.S. employees and their dependents who participate in our medical plans and live in areas where access to medical care, including reproductive health, gender-affirming treatment, transplant care, or any other medical care covered by our plans that is not available in a person's covered state or within 100 miles of where they live. So it sounds like they're going to actually do the right thing about that, which is surprising. It's always after it hits the news that they announce these things, you know. Those of you that have awareness of or have read some of the older Diablo books, some of them are being reprinted. So there's Diablo Moon of the Spider by Richard A. Knack. He's written several things in the Diablo franchise, and they're all really good. I have this book. I read it a long time ago, and it is phenomenal. So Blizz Planet took a picture, a screenshot of it. You could see the cover, and it says Blizzard Legends on the side of it now because it's it's being re-released. And they wrote, uh, great news to Diablo Immortal players. Blizzard is reprinting Diablo Moon of the Spider by at Richard A. Knack. The novel features Zale the Necromancer in West March, months after the destruction of the World Zone. And it's a link to Amazon if you want to check it out. It's a really good book, so I highly recommend it. I have no idea when it's going to be released, but... Uh you can find it on Amazon. There'll probably be a release date, if anything. PC Gamer has an article titled Diablo 2 Player Completes Pacifist Hell Run, previously only theorized to be possible. This is written by Tyler Wilde. Left-clicking on any monster would have ruined the run, apparently. So there is a video in this article. And I, again, everything I talk about will be in the links on the Shattered Soulstone website at shatteredsoulstone.com. So if you want to see any of this stuff you can or read it, you can do that. And uh, here's a piece of the article. It took over 50 hours of playtime, but Macro Bio Boy, Macro spelled like you think, B-I-O-B-O-I, finally did it. They completed the world's first ever completely untwinkle twinked, untwinked, solo, self-found hell, pacifist, sorceress run in Diablo 2 Resurrected. In terms that'll be more familiar to people who aren't Diablo 2 speedrunners, Macro beat Diablo 2 Resurrected on the hardest difficulty without attacking anything, using only items they found during the run. Quote, twinking in Diablo 2 parlance means using the trading system to give a character items. Diablo 2 speedrunners had come up with theoretical ways to accomplish the run, but Macro was the first to do it for real quote the only people who ever took the run past normal had twinked a character with edited gear to see if it was possible they told pc gamer the diablo 2 speedrunning community has created a detailed set of rules which define what a pacifist run is you can't attack of course but there's more to it than that you also can't force anything else to attack set traps or use damaging auras either for the most part the damage you deal has to be dealt as a direct consequence of a creature choosing to attack you to accomplish that, uh, Macro loaded up their sorceress with chance to cast items and abilities that sometimes cause a spell to be cast when their character takes a hit. By the end, they had a set of armor that caused them to cast the powerful area of effect Nova spell every time an enemy hit them. They also dumped points into the cold armor passive skills, which increased defense. The sorceress doesn't have very many hit points and do cold damage to enemies who hit them. And it, there's more in here if you want to hear more about it, but I just think it's amazing that that's possible, you know? I mean, I wouldn't have guessed that. 
I've also got an article here from Wowhead. It says Diablo 2 resurrected PTR news next week introduced, quote, introduces, quote, a big feature. And it's embedded the blue notes written by Pez Radar, which say, Hi all, I know it's been a bit quiet on the D2R front, especially this week as all other Diablo titles have had some sort of news. But fear not, we are hoping to share some news about PTR next week. A bit late, I know, and a bit outside of our windows we were aiming for with ladder seasons, but the team is working on a feature that they would like to test in PTR that is pretty big and they want to make sure we can get accurate feedback on it before it goes live in the PTR hoping you can share we can share more next week and if not it will surely be the week after so that's what they're doing um it's not entirely clear what that will be I'm sure someone will find out soon enough when they release it uh Rod Ferguson the SVP GM of the Diablo franchise at Blizzard posted a tweet that said, with Diablo 3 Season 27 beginning on August 26th, if you want a cool Twitter banner, here you go. And then there's a link to the information about Season 27. So the Twitter banner has, looks like Tyrael holding his sword and you know the wings and all of that as when he was still an angel. And it says Diablo uh, 27 next to it. And you can like stick that in your social media banner if you want to that kind of thing it looks really cool it is the same banner you can find on the official season 27 lights calling preview which was posted on august 15th so um i'm just going to read you a little bits of this because i've got a lot of stuff in this episode so season 27 is lights calling it will begin on August 26 at 5 p.m. PDT, CEST, and KST for an in-depth look at the seasonal theme rewards and balance. Uh, you can take a look at this, and there's a lot of stuff. So the theme, they've got some like flavor text in here. Looking to turn the tide of an unremitting war between light and darkness, the angels of the high heavens have embedded a token of their righteousness in sanctuary. Cunning Nephilim seeking an advantage in combat will undergo an angelic trial, crystallizing a symbol of their morality into pure, otherworldly perfection. The specific celestial force imbued within them by the divine is unknown, an answer waiting to be sought on the battlefield. Go forth, Nephilim. I love the little story type things that they put in here. So for season 27, the new seasonal theme um, is Lights Calling. Valiant Nephilim who recover angelic crucibles, a new consumable item, may use them to sanctify any equipable legendary item, infusing it with one of three new class-specific powers at random. We wanted to use angelic crucibles to lean into the expertise of each class, further exemplifying its respective prowess, but through a nuanced lens. The high heavens are home to ethereal splendor, bursting with boundless radiance. We wanted to provide players with the taste of untainted power as doled out from heaven itself. So there's some cosmetic awards in here. Uh, there is a portrait frame uh, that is the Laurels of Knowledge portrait. It's very gold and glowy. And there's this Corvus cadaverous pet, which looks like a undead possibly wolf puppy and it's got hold of the arm of some unfortunate person in sanctuary and the arm is still holding a blade that has been bloodied so that's what that is you can get the pet from uh from this uh probably i don't know when they're gonna like it's probably you got to go through most of the season journey to get it i don't know for sure but anyway here's the season journey rewards 
Finish a level 70 Nephilim Rift on Torment 13 difficulty within five minutes. Level three Legendary Gems to level 55. Complete two conquests this season. Kill Mathiel at level 70 in one minute and 30 seconds on Torment 13 difficulty. Slay Greed on Torment 13 difficulty. Reach Greater Rift level 60 solo. Use Kanai's Cube to augment an ancient legendary with a level 50 plus gem. Use Kanai's Cube to reforge a legendary item. So there's going to be a lot of gem things things happening here apparently okay so there's also the season conquest and this is what's going on here there's um returning for season 27 is sprinter slash speed racer where you're challenged to complete all of diablo 3's champion from act one to act five at level 70 in under one hour they have Erevis Avarita, where all that glitters is gold you complete you have to uh, have a 50 million gold streak outside of the vault or its inner sanctum Boss mode slash worlds apart is a different kind of race. Destroy all the bosses in Diablo 3 at max level on Torment uh, 10 before your 20-minute timer ends. The thrill slash superhuman requires completion of a greater rift level 45 to be completed solo, but without any set items equipped. Finally, Masters of the Universe slash Masters of Sets stretches your class set knowledge by requiring a mastery rank completion of eight different set dungeons. Get ready to start collecting. Uh, Hadric's Gift this time. The Barbarian is getting Wrath of the Wastes, Crusader Roland's Legacy, Demon Hunter Unhallowed Essence, Monk Raiment of a Thousand Storms, Necromancer Bones of Rothma. That one's kind of fun. Uh, Witch Doctor is Helltooth Harness, and Wizard is Telrosh's Elements. There's some patch notes in here that you need to know. Okay, Angelic Crucibles and Sanctified Items can only be acquired in seasonal play and will not transfer to your non-seasonal character. We can kind of expect that. That's typically what happens. Angelic Crucibles can drop anywhere in sanctuary at level 70 so you won't get them until you hit level 70 players can obtain at as many sanctified items as they would like however only one sanctified item can be equipped at a time sanctified items can be sanctified again using another angelic crucible no stats are preserved when sanctifying an item the only only level 70 equipable items can be sanctified crafted items cannot be sanctified followers cannot equip sanctified items the drop rate of angelic crucibles has been doubled so there's going to be more of them. There's also specific powers for each class about what these what these things will do for you. I'm going to leave you to read that because it's a lot of writing. And you're probably not going to play all of them, but maybe if you have to do all of the sets, I don't know, like the set dungeons. And there's some more in here about that. Um, there's some item changes and stuff like that. If you really want to dig into it, again, it'll be in the show notes at ShatteredSoulStone.com. Now going back to the... Um, the cadaverous pet, the Corvus cadaverous pet. It was made by Kay, uh, Kaylee Crone, and she is the person who made the wings and the plant pet that looked a lot like Diablo Immortal stuff that was put into Diablo 3 fairly recently. So um, you might have those already. She makes these amazing pets, and there's, um, you know, it's good that she's being credited for that because she does work for Blizzard after all. So uh, there is a YouTube video from Big Daddy Den titled Season 27 Final Patch Notes Start Date. You can check that out if you want to hear him talk about it. I looked at it for a while. I think he was kind of just reading over some of that that I read, but if you want to hear it from him, you can. So let's see. Anna Cake also has season 27 patch notes in a YouTube uh, video, which you can check out if you want to as well. Moving on to Diablo Immortal. Now, early on when I was playing Diablo Immortal outside of like I was in like a alpha or something um, temporarily because <laughs> those don't last. And I found two characters that had 
really terrible names, honestly. And it was the kind of thing that makes you kind of stand there and go, why did you pick those names specifically? It was, um, I'm going to say, a politically motivated couple of names. And this is a game Diablo Immortal really, really wants you to team up with other players to do stuff. And so if you've got names that seem to be intended to trouble other people... Well, first, you're probably not going to get invited to play with other people, but also it's just kind of a way of saying anyone who thinks other than I do doesn't belong here. And that's not cool. And I was trying to figure out how to report the names because I know you can report names like in other Blizzard games, and I couldn't figure out how to do it for the life of me. So just recently I looked it up, and there is, in fact, a thing here on the Blizzard website that says report inappropriate language or names in Diablo Immortal. So if you come across something that's just extremely offensive, you do have the opportunity to report it. Now, I didn't report those two because I had no idea how to do it. I haven't seen them since, so my guess is someone else figured out how to do it. But it's just not very welcoming to choose some very, very, very political names in a video game that highlights you as someone who perhaps isn't that nice a person to play with. You know, it just doesn't work for me. Um, but like I said, I didn't report them. I didn't know how. Somebody must have. Uh, I hope they changed their name to something else. I've seen other names that are questionable, but they're kind of funny, you know. But like to specifically bring in politics and name that your characters, you know. I feel like maybe they should just be doing something else. <laughs> you know what I mean? There's so many names you can choose in this world. Why pick some that are going to get you uh, probably reported? But like I said, it wasn't me. Honestly, I couldn't figure it out. So Diablo Immortal has a mini update, Dare to Conquer the Fractured Plane. This was uh, posted on August 16. Uh, the Fractured Plane limited time event. Let's see if that's still viable. Um, don't know. It's a 15-floor gauntlet inhabited by the fiercest minions the hells can throw your way. Your journey in the Fractured Plane begins without your usual gear, gems, and skills. Instead, you'll be provided with a set of pre-selected skills for your class. To advance, you must rely solely on your wits, unstable gear you find, and the chaos coins you receive from progressing through the hordes of demons. Best of all, only unstable gear of legendary rarity will drop in the Fractured Plane, and items you receive will complement the skills you begin with, equipping you with the ability to make and tweak your build on the fly. When your journey in the Fractured Plane is over, all the unstable gear you've collected will vanish. The chaos coins you earn will also come to your aid spent at the Chaos Broker. There's a Chaos Broker. Okay, I guess if you need some chaos. Um, you can exchange chaos coins for new items or shards or, of fortune. These shards will increase your fortune rating, providing a greater chance of receiving higher quality legendary items from chests on each floor. If you're resourceful enough to make it to the 15th floor without dying more than five times, you you'll receive a reward. So there's that. Um, and the reward is out of all the legendary items you've encountered during your run, select six. And out of those six, you will be rewarded one at random for you to carry out of the fractured plane. There's also Echo of the Immortal. And that's already started. It's going to end on September 14th at 3 o'clock a.m. server time. It's a limited time repeatable game mode, and it will be available for players who are at least level 40 to showcase their PvP prowess in a challenge of the Immortal-style battle. In Echo of the Immortal, 15 players will face off against one randomly chosen player who is imbued with the power of the Immortal. If the group of players are victorious in besting the Immortal, the match becomes a free-for-all. Only the best of the best will claim the reward and bragging rights. To try your hand at Echo of the Immortal, speak to the battleground captain in Westmarch. 
There's also an Into the Dark Wood limited time event. That one is going through August 31st when at 3 a.m. it will end. It is... There are few in Sanctuary capable enough to stand against the darkness and wager their life for the defenseless. But you, adventurer, have consigned your days to thinning out the ranks of the burning hells, ushering in safety where all hope was once lost. The downtrodden look up to you, and and to continue serving them, you must travel into the unknown, into the dark wood. So you go there, you complete uh, dailies in the dark wood with these tasks that are going to be there. It doesn't say what they are here. Uh, You'll receive various types of rewards for your heroics. Racking up enough completed tasks will also unlock milestone rewards for you, such as the festive Wreath of Blood portrait frame. There's a Hungering Moon event, which seems to be an ongoing thing. That one's going to end in August 29. I think most of us know what this is by now. You complete quests and tasks and things like that, and then you you get these little moon coin things that can only be used in the hungering moon event and you stick them into the interface and it selects one of the things you haven't received yet at random. And then there's like a chest in the middle, which I have never gotten, but I'm sure some people have. There is a spawn of damnation cosmetic set. And let's see what this is about. So it is uh, ancient tomes inscribed by the Herodric Order suggest armor can be forged from the flesh of demons. While assumed to be wholly protective and sturdy, there is uncertainty around the effect this might have on the wearer's mind. Will they too become another mindless spawn of damnation? And you can get it. uh, You can purchase it. It has to be purchased from the in-game shop. I have no idea what that's going to cost. But it's, it's kind of cool. There's some bug fixes and feature updates and things like that. And um, looks like 36 new legendary items have been put into the game. There's treasure goblin improvement. Uh, they will also have, they'll have a chance to drop legendary items and also provide more loot in general when defeated. So that's pretty much what that one's about. And then we have the Diablo 4 quarterly update, which was out on August 18. And uh, there's a lot of stuff in here. So Seasons, uh, there's a person named Joe uh, P. Priora, the associate game director responsible for game systems and their live service. And he's talking about uh, Diablo 4. They are pursuing a seasonal reset structure for the live game. Diablo is a game about choice and possibility. We feel it is at its best when you can get a clean slate to start from in a season, picking a class, customizing your build, and chasing down items that support it along the way. This affords us several advantages, and chief among them is that we can really shake the box of Diablo 4 with each season, creating unique experiences with each of our quarterly releases. So here's some of the new content that they're talking about in this. And it's got some images that say not final in development, of course, because it's still in development, as you all know. And let's see. So they've got a new meta. And it's got like this. You've probably seen this image before somewhere. It's like all these little dots scattered out in an interface. And you can like put things in the dots that will give you something. Um, it's It's a tiny little... You can't really read any of this from the screenshot, but... That's what it is, and it's different than Diablo 3, that's for sure, and I don't think Diablo 2 had this either. So, uh, you can kind of pick and choose what you want your character to have, I guess. I I think it's going to be a thing that I'll understand when I start playing it. If I start playing it, I've heard it doesn't... I don't think it's on a Mac at all. I don't know for sure, but it sounds like it's not going to be, but I have an Xbox, so I'll try that. Um, There's going to be live events happening... 
And that is uh, attentive players should be on the lookout for new live events in Diablo 4 that will crop up each season. An example of a live event might be the warning of an impending invasion of the drowned, which may last a weekend, or the arrival of a strange peddler amidst the crags of the dry steps. These events provide gateways to new adventures and unique awards. There is going to be a season journey. We kind of know what a season journey is, so I'm going to kind of skip over that. There is going to be a season pass. Just the mention of this is going to get some people a little bit upset or uh, wondering if it's going to be like Diablo Immortal. I don't think that's so. I'm going to read you a little bit of this. And this is written by Keegan Clark, director of product for Diablo 4, who says, As we've discussed previously, Diablo 4 will be a full price game with a cosmetic shop and season pass, none of which is to none of which provide any pay for power options. Our goal in designing our in-game purchases is that we want to create beautiful things which add value to players' experience of the game. The scale of Diablo 4 Seasons is much more ambitious than what we've done in the past on Diablo 3, with a large development team dedicated to Seasons after launch. Diablo 4 will be supported by an army of developers for years to come. With all the exciting plans we have for Seasons, we want them to be enjoyed by everyone, regardless of whether they buy anything from the shop. I'm grateful for the opportunity to finally share more with the community about what our live service about our live service model. Seasons will add all new gameplay, quests, challenges, meta changes and quality of life improvements. The season pass recognizes players' dedication with greater rewards unlocking as you play more throughout the season. There will be a single track of rewards with free tiers that are unlocked just by playing the game and leveling and premium tiers which provide no in-game power or advantage over other players. The free tiers of the pass will provide gameplay boosts to all players, things which make the journey of leveling up a fresh seasonal character faster and more streamlined. In contrast, the premium tier rewards are focused on aesthetics, providing a huge value in the form of cosmetics and premium currency. Many of the rewards embody the seasonal theme, helping players show off their participation in that season. Now, premium currency. I think that's going to be a sticking point for some people because... It sounds like if you buy the cosmetic premium tier, you're going to get premium currency. Well, what's that going to be used for? The cosmetics themselves? You know, I'm not sure about this, but I'm going to wait and see, I guess. Um, so here's what you can expect. The season pass has free tiers and premium tiers. Throughout the pass, players can earn a variety of rewards. We've kind of went over that. Uh, you have to purchase the premium pass to unlock the ability to earn premium rewards tiers containing seasonally themed cosmetics and premium currency. Season pass awards cosmetics like the shop. These don't affect gameplay. Additionally, certain cosmetic types are exclusive to the season pass. The season pass awards premium currency. Players can spend this currency on cosmetics offered in the shop. Okay, that seems all right. That seems all right to me because it doesn't sound like the thing in Diablo immortal where you got a gem and you stuck it in the auction house type thing and you know you want platinum now which is the in-game currency so this sounds like a better system and i'm hoping that will hold true uh the season pass awards this is this is amazing the season pass awards free season boosts boosts accelerate players progress for the duration of the season for example a season boost might accelerate xp earned to make leveling multiple characters within a season faster because they affect gameplay season boosts are free rewards for all players we want to be clear that players can't unlock season boosts more quickly through purchases there is no way to unlock 
unlock more boosts or boosts at a faster pace by spending money. Players can purchase tiers, but they won't speed up getting season boosts. That's interesting. And the season journey accelerates the season pass progression. While any playstyle can progress through the season pass, the min-maxers can focus on season journey objectives to advance more quickly. Then it talks about the shop. And it's got some cosmetics and it's showing you like what class it's for and telling you more about like how many pieces it has and you can get a look at it so that you know what you're buying, that kind of thing. And there's a lot of just screenshots of really cool stuff in here, transmogs and stuff like that. So I think that's pretty neat. And uh, Echo Gaming Diablo did the Immortal Podcast episode 32. It was on YouTube and on Twitch and they talked about a lot about Diablo Immortal, as you might have guessed and other things too. It was really interesting. I watched it. Um, it was just full of information about, you know, uh, both of the guys on the show as well as Diablo Immortal. And they talked about an interesting thing they talked about is one of them likes being an immortal and the other one prefers to be a shadow. So it's just kind of an interesting look at things that they gave out. Um, let's see. I think I've already talked about this other thing here. And let's see what else we've got. Okay, so the Diablo account on Twitter on August 18 wrote about the Diablo 4 quarterly update and put in this picture of what looks like a castle or cathedral of some kind that is blood red with some flames around the bottom of it. And basically this was just to announce that there was information about this and Asmongold responded with a question. He wrote, hey guys, big question I see not answered here, meaning in, probably meaning in the tweet, maybe. Will any of the items on the shop or items purchasable with premium currency, that's in quotes, be tradable in any capacity between other players? Not between your characters, but to other players so you can effectively, quote, sell them. And Adam Fletcher, who is, um, you know, the head person in Diablo, uh, you cannot trade anything purchased with premium currency in Diablo 4 with other players. This includes items unlocked in the season pass. So that sounds like they're really serious about that and they're not going to let that happen. Here's an article from Forbes from uh, August 18th. Diablo 4 is much more of a live service, but Blizzard swears it's not pay to win. Written by Paul Tassi, a senior contributor for Forbes. I'll read you a little bit about what he wrote. Diablo 4 has continued its tradition of lengthy developer blogs, and this time around, this one seems specifically crafted to combat all the Diablo Immortal pushback, and the D4 team seems determined to separate itself from the mobile game and all of its gotcha pay-to-win trappings. This blog is all about seasons in Diablo 4, and what's very clear is that even though seasons exist in Diablo 3, they are going to be even more involved and heavily focused in, on in Diablo 4. In short, Diablo 4 is going to be much more of a live service game than ever before. The blog details all the kinds of things you should expect to find from seasons in Diablo 4, and I've already read that. Uh, the season pass is split into free and premium tiers, but there's nothing in the premium tiers except cosmetics. We know this. Talking about the boosts that we just I just mentioned, um, uh, the blog post dives deeper into the item shop once again, attempting to prove that there's nothing fishy going on here. The shop sells what are essentially just skins for use in transmog for your character. No power gains. You're not fishing them randomly out of loot boxes. Nothing like that. They even go on to say that no, the best looking skins are not exclusive to the item shop, and they believe that the coolest armor and gear in the game is from the actual game. But fundamentally, the point is there's literally no place in the game where Diablo 4 is selling power directly, not through items or gems, not even through boosts or paid season pass perks. 
At this point, says the author of the Forbes article, I have to admit they are saying all the right things and I cannot find any tricky wording or things they might try to sneak by players. I genuinely think they're just committed to selling literally nothing but cosmetics and at least attempting to make those cosmetics not only not the only place cool-looking gear is acquired. There's really no other way to read what they're saying here as they are being pretty explicit and direct. So that's pretty cool. Gamesindustry.biz has an article titled Blizzard Confirms No Loot Boxes in Diablo 4, written by Danielle Pardis, a news editor. It, again, has... People love to put that angry face of Lilith, you know, in the top of their article when they're talking about Diablo 4. It's a well-done drawing. It really fits her personality. She is, you know, Mephisto's daughter, so she's... I mean, he's what? Hatred, right? I think. I may be wrong. I'm kind of tired today, but, you know, she's not going to be a happy person, right? Anyway, um, let's see. This one kind of sounds a lot like the other article. Uh, There's a quote here. Cosmetics give players even more options to customize the visual appearance of their characters, wrote Keegan Clark, director of product for Diablo 4. Nothing offered in the shop grants a direct or indirect gameplay advantage, so while many of these may look like powerful pieces of gear, they have no in-game stats. So people are picking that up, at least. And then we have... um, Big Daddy Den has a YouTube video titled Diablo 4, No Pay to Win Confirmed. I think that's where he was reading off some of the stuff that I read off in this episode. There is from Echo Hack, a monetization and cosmetics preview where he really digs into the stuff that was in the Diablo 4 news that came from Blizzard, probably better than I can. It's a pretty short video, so you might want to check that out. I think he's right. I've watched all of it. I think um, he's right about what he's saying. There's an article from IGN on the 20th of August. Diablo 4 will ditch loot boxes for battle passes like Overwatch before it. Quote, you will not be able to pay for power in Diablo 4. There is an update at the end of this somewhere in here. I'm not sure exactly which part is the update because it's not labeled as such. Okay. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yeah. Um, Okay, he talks about seasons. Who is this person? Ryan Dinsdale. Branded as the season pass, despite Blizzard calling it battle pass style progression, this progression system will let players earn cosmetics and premium currency with free tiers and premium tiers available. Blizzard hasn't shared any of its season pass or how many tiers will be available to purchase. In the in the in-game shop will offer a variety of different customization items, but again, you know, says the same thing from the same quote. Uh, it's likely hitting this message following the controversy around Diablo Immortal. Okay, maybe there's nothing new in this one. But it's good it's being talked about. The Diablo podcast has released its second episode, and I haven't gotten to it yet because, I, as I said, I got really sick earlier this week and couldn't function at all because of allergies. So I'll get there. Uh, the latest news and a, a fantastic episode. If you want to know more about the Diablo franchise lore, not to be missed, watch or listen. There's a link to their uh, Twitter, from their Twitter account to it. Then we've got some art from the Diablo community. So there's a person who's going by at Overwatch Neri, N-A-E-R-I, and they have taken the Moira character and drawn a skin to make her look like Lilith. And it's really, really cool. Um, I think that's who did it. Oh, no, there's an artist here that did it, actually. Not her. So let's see. They are on ArtStation. So the artist is Ahmad Abu Al-Rus, and he has it on ArtStation.com. So I'll probably put that link into the blog post because that's the actual artist. That's a better way to do it. And then we have another one here. And the artist, they at least linked to the artist. I'm not sure where they found the piece that they looked at. There it is. Uh, 
So the Diablo account on August 15th wrote Fear the Reaper and Solar Wolf Cosplay. Maybe the, the person that made the cosplay is part of that group. It says Photographers Ailey Studios. Um, and it's, a, it's an amazing cosplay of Malthiel. Wings and all. It's really good. And so there we are. You know, it's, it's in there somewhere. It got retweeted by Diablo. So that's kind of cool. And that's where I'm going to end this today. And I'll be closing out the show right now. You have been listening to episode 373 of the Shattered Soulstone, your Diablo community podcast. Missed an episode? You can find the show blog and listen to the show archives at www.shatteredsoulstone.com. Come join us in game, our in-game community and clan in Diablo 3 is both named Shattered Soulstone and it's open to anyone who wants to join. You can also join us on Discord for the ultimate team and community-based experience. Find the Discord invitation link on our Twitter and Facebook page as well. I know just this week, two people were in the Discord playing PoE. And uh, you can also find the link to the Discord on the Shattered Soulstone website. Thank you for listening.